Hello, and welcome to In the House. For this episode, we sit down with Adrian Fudge, a senior project manager at Douglas Construction. Today we ask, what it takes to be the man in the arena, a quote by Theodore Roosevelt. Adrian also gives us guidance on accountability and how to bring out the best in people while working together as a team. We hope you enjoy, and as always, thanks for listening. So, full disclosure, Adrian and I, we work together, um, at least at the same company, not necessarily on the same project, um, but we do work together at, at Douglas Construction. Um, so, Adrian is a senior project manager, correct? Yep. I'm just a lowly, <laughs> lowly superintendent, um, you know, with, with high goals, high aspirations. So... Um, Adrian, he's the uh, he's the guy that makes it happen, right? Uh, no, no, I've <laughs> I've just been very lucky to have some successful projects and work around people that are way better than I am. Oh, you're uh, you're too modest. You're definitely uh, I don't know, man. You're you're definitely the guy who's who's super. You've, in my mind, you've always been very resourceful, very. Um, Wanting to take things to the next level and push push boundaries, you know, push limits, and, and I've always admired that, and um, so that's one of the reasons why I wanted to, to get you, uh, you know, to get some time with you and you know get your thoughts on a few things. But let me let me pull this up because I had a I sent y'all a a quote. Did y'all? Yeah, I don't know if y'all had the chance to. That is really smooth. You like that? Oh, that is smooth. It's very good. That yeah. black label. Yeah. yeah, man. I've been wow. waiting to crack that one open. All right, let me, let me pull this up. So I, I sent y'all a quote. Theodore Roosevelt, right? Uh, Theodore Roosevelt, yes, sir. Um, so April 23rd, 1910. Yeah, GPT Chat did not write that quote. That is that is quality, Piss refined. Of <laughs> but it's it's experience. It's knowledge. It's, it's depth. You know, I, everybody uses the GPT chat thing right now, and you plug stuff into it, and you get this really ambiguous kind of generic thing back. Which okay, it's a good framework, and then you could spend three days working on it. But, but that, that's impressive. It's I'm, very impressive. I'm yeah. gonna read it. I'm gonna read it. Sure, go for it. The man in the arena is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out the strong man stumbles. Or where, the, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of, of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, so that has, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Teddy Roosevelt. Gosh, powerful. What yeah. Is, what a stinking quote. Yeah, I just I, I read that and I was like, man, what a what a powerful statement. And something to aspire to as well, um, you know. And so it got me thinking, like, how can we, doing what we do, where we're we're building these 
these awesome things. I mean, we're creating the world around us. How can we be the man in the arena, so to speak? And so, Adrian, I want to open the floor to you and kind of get your thoughts. I guess the first question is, what is the man in the arena? Who is he? Because he's the, uh, the ultimately the guy that's building the project. So he's the person who, like, project manager, so to speak. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I saw that and I've, I've actually been thinking about it quite a bit. Because how does it relate and how could I give you some valued input? <clears throat> I had to dig deep. And it's, uh, it's accountability, right? And then I think there, even one of your questions has something to do with accountability. Mm -hmm. It's fair accountability, right? It's being as honest as you can about the situation that you're dealt with. And then leave that situation with a plan, with an action item, right? That's the newest buzzword, I guess. What's the action item? What's the, the to-do? But create that accountability and then follow through with it. And each of those steps are difficult because the first one, you might have to talk about things that people don't necessarily want to talk about. The second one is follow through, which then that's holding people accountable to you know, hey, you said you were going to do this and you didn't. So now how are we going to fix it? And then really after that, the third one being kind of the follow through after that, like there's repercussions. So if you didn't, if you <laughs> failed and you didn't follow through at all, now there has to be a repercussion. Like I've, I've got to go on to something else. I have to get somebody else to do it. And then you're not involved or something. Well, is the, is the man in the re arena, is that only limited to the project manager or I mean can that not be on the individual level as well I mean all the way down to the the laborer who's picking up trash and sweeping floors I mean it's it's hard to imagine you know that that position somebody who's you know daring greatly and, and taking on a lot of risk and I think it's a mantra. I think that yeah. you can wake up every day and you can feel that whether you're the trash man or the president of the free world. Like I think it's. Uh, I agree. I think it's just a. It's a, it's a way to live by. Yeah, you're right. It's just, you know, you you make that choice whether you're going to be that man or not. You know, are you going to get up and 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 do your absolute best whether you're flipping burgers or you know you're building you know twenty twenty million dollar projects. I mean, doesn't doesn't really matter what what it is you're doing. There's a big difference. No, I don't disagree. Of course, it's a huge difference, difference but I, I, think it's, going I think it's the mindset. And you're doing the same. I mean, that's exactly why we're all doing what we do. Yeah. None of us are flipping burgers. Agreed. And there's a big difference between your desire to do something more and your willingness to just tread water. You have to recognize what people's abilities are. I've had it. An incredible opportunity over the last couple of years out in West Texas, and I've really learned that it's it's not fixing people or getting people to necessarily learn the traits that they're missing or learn the skills that they don't have because they can't do this particular task very good. It's finding the right people and then putting them to work the best that they can work the way they are. I'm not trying to change them. Yeah. Right? And and 
I, I look back and I'm like, oh wow, I would get frustrated at somebody, and then in retrospect, be like, wow, you got frustrated because they didn't do what you thought they could do. Yeah. When you weren't using them correctly yeah. and just changing that perspective and going, okay, well now I'm going to try and reutilize these people differently. Uh, it made a big difference. That's, that's a good point. And that kind of brings me to, the, I think the next question, which is how do you, as a project manager, how do you get the best out of people? You know, uh, how do you make sure that they're in an environment where they're going to perform their absolute best and give you their best work. I think you got to pretty quickly figure out if it's a carrot or a stick. You got to figure out what motivates them. Sure. You have to find out what kind of a person they are to to get them to go where you need them to go. Yeah. Communication yeah. and honesty. Actually, I just recently It's easier said than done. It is. It, oh, absolutely. <laughs> a lot of this stuff is easier said than done. It's way easier to to say it than go and sit down with someone and and I've had some I've let people go I've never I've never let anyone go that was doing a phenomenal job and was just amazing and it was just like oh wow you just did such an awesome job gotta let you go yeah right almost everybody I've ever sat down with and said okay it's it's time for you to move on it's kind of been like yeah thanks like I appreciate that. Like yeah. I, I get it. It's not you know, fair to them either. They feel the weight of it. Right, they can't and so the, the honesty there, the transparency, uh, lowering the defensiveness. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I, some of this stuff may or may not be confidential. I don't know, but watching David Daglish, watching how he works, at, watching how he interacts with clients, uh, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he is a Yoda, a, a shaman of sorts. <laughs> Uh, he understands the emotional roller coaster of what all this is to a level that is incredible. Because for most of our careers, we've dealt with situations that weren't always so pleasant and matter of fact and understanding and constructive. It was here's what you got, and here's what you're going to do, and I don't want to hear any problems about it, and I don't really care. You know, go go deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've always said that you know everybody, lo- everybody out there talks about quality and budget, and oh, and schedule. But quality and budget are our focus. Yeah. But the minute the door closes and it's just private, quiet conversation, it's oh shit, the budget kind of sucks, and uh, you guys need to hurry up and get this done. <laughs> And to be in a situation that we're in where we're not, where we're, I, I told Dave the other day, I said, it is so awesome to get behind us. It's so easy to get behind us because we do good things, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're not trying to pull a fast one. We're not out there going, oh, uh, here, I'm going to do this job and it's just kind of a real quick and dirty type thing. The trades take photos of their work because they're proud of it and uh, brag about it. That's awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, if they're proud of their work that they do. That's that's probably the... I, I agree. That's probably the biggest thing that I've noticed, too, since, since coming on board um, was just the quality difference in the people themselves. You know, you get a higher caliber person who's performing the work. You don't just have some Joe Schmo down the road who, who can install tile 
Um, but that, <clears throat> to, to jump in, and may or may not be part of your, your topics, that's a fundamental problem with what we do. Yeah. Because if you're in a, I don't know, 600000 to maybe $3 million range, it's budget-oriented. Yeah. And your bathroom is, okay, we've got this amount, and you go find someone and you tell them, I've got this, or you get some bids, and it's, I need this. For what we do, it's these are the materials. I've got to find someone and get them at a fair rate, sure. hold them accountable to the quality of work that they need to perform to, and then facilitate them to be successful. That's such a huge difference. It's a huge difference, and, and the, the other big difference is I have to do, I say I, we have to do a better job of communicating that to the client. Yeah. Because up front, when you got a budget of, oh, I got $5,000 for the tile work in this bathroom, okay, that's it. That's all you got. And that's definitive. On our side of it, it's, it's art. But I will say this. You and I, we've all seen a lot of tile and a lot of work out there. Our tile people are craftsmen. There's They're, nothing else out there like it. Oh my gosh. I've it's, been blown away. It's unbelievable. It truly then gets you inspired because you look at it and go, that gets me, that gets me hot. No, I, I, I agree 100%. Just like I said, the, just the caliber of person. I mean, these, these guys, and, and we're using tile, you know, tile setters as an example but all of these guys that we work with are just the the high of the highest caliber and true i mean craftsmen to you know in, in every sense of the term but yeah i mean they'll they'll sweat over a, a 16th of an inch or a 32nd of an inch i mean if it's if something's just not perfect i mean these these guys they know you know and it, and, and it it also kind of makes your job easier because they understand the level of quality that we're looking for and and they kind of self-correct or at least you know in, in my experience some of these guys you know you, you don't have to ride them so hard because they'll, they'll catch their own mistakes and they'll rip it out and you know they're not going to sleep well that night if they know that you know what they installed was was subpar oh there we go yeah man old school yeah well but the the other thing and uh yeah this is uh, very honest conversation is value engineering where that quality is placed mm -hmm. right because does that same absolute attention to a 32nd does that need to be done everywhere to create the finished product that it is sure say that concrete that you need to be at tolerances that are more than what the industry thresholds are? Is that, or what, what I'm, I think that you have to be reasonable. I think that you like the, the, the perimeter of your form, you want to make dead not sure that's perfect. You want to make sure that everything follows your, your engineering perfectly. But I guess I'm, I got to find the right example of it. I've spent, I've spent lots of money and I've had carpenters come in and fine tune the frame to be perfect. And I thought, okay, that's going to make the sheetrocker's job easier. And then the sheetrocker comes in and he throws up his sheetrock and it still looks just the same as if he put it up on any other frame. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> Go back, fix it, 
shim it all, make it all perfect. And he's like, what? Okay, so then they go back and they spend all this extra time making all the sheetrock perfect in these panels because that's going to make the taper and floater shop easier and better. And this that garage you worked on? Uh, it was it was a project that I, I worked on yeah. with Daglish, and at each stage it was perfect, it was flawless, and then the next stage would come in and it was just like it was anything else anywhere else. <laughs> it didn't you didn't gain that efficiency. Hmm. And so I look at it and I go, yeah, okay, great. We spent four times as much to get from frame to sheetrock as we would have if we'd have just framed it, sheetrocked it, and then let the mud and tape guys just kind of take care of it all. Now, I say that not, you don't pay attention, but you pick and choose your battles. Sure. Right? You don't argue with the framer about a 32nd in the frame because the sheetrock, it, it ain't going to make a difference. Anyway. Sure. And the other thing that I think that we're, you dial in all these utilities and finishes as tight as possible and then <clears throat> for exactly where they're going to be at the finish. So it's tons and tons of layout. Oh, I agree. And I think the best thing that I have seen from an architect that has made our work just so much better is grid lines mm. and I remember working with plans before with no grid lines and so you're measuring from the corner of one wall no. to the corner of another no. wall <laughs> to the center of this room no. and like laying all this shit out and, and you're doing it from internal references and, uh, and if those references are off then everything else oh, is off oh then everything's off yeah. Right? Yeah, but yeah, if yeah, the yeah. grid is secure uh-huh. and Oh, the first project I did with a grid. It was like an archaeological kind of dig thing because you had yeah. strings everywhere. But then you just went from that grid line. So, so I remember, I remember to, to an architect, sir, the grid line. Grid Man, lines are important. Yeah. That's critical. I, yeah, 100%. I can, I I can get behind that. Yeah. So I and remember then, uh, I, I went to one of your, I walked one of your jobs, and I remember um, maybe this is what you're talking about, grid lines, but you had a. a a line painted on the floor, right, all the way through. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking yep. about? So you had a line <clears throat> painted on the floor all the way down this structure. I mean, it, I think it was a long haul. It went all the way yep. to the kitchen and an office. I mean, there was a bunch of stuff. And that was your your reference point, right? That was everything. Yeah, storyboard was... for the whole layout of the whole ceiling of that whole floor. So it's like a backbone that everything is measured to. It's like a... Oh, it's it's... I, I actually, I, we were walking the house on Friday and I pointed out to someone that was with us and I said, hey, stop, come back here. Did you even see that? <laughs> and he looked up and he was like, what are you talking about? I said, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Look, that slot right there between the wood slats in the ceiling. Yeah, baby. That's the air conditioning return slot. That is sexy. Like, and, and you don't even see it. Yeah. You have to stop, back up, look at it, and go that that right there. That's the one I'm talking about. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Those are the details that really, I, I think, the details nobody talks about. Beat, that's what I mean. <laughs> ah, yeah. But so, <laughs> I'll say this: right? it's it's cost, it's schedule, and it's quality. Right, the three proverbial construction elements. Every client that I have ever worked for, this is, this is going to be tough yeah. to put out there. 
(laughs) They forget about how much it costs and they forget about how long it takes. They never forget about the quality. Absolutely. And for years after it's finished, they will notice details that you have done because it takes that long to notice all the things that we have spent a career figuring out how to do. And it'll be one day when they're sitting on the toilet and they got the door open and they're looking at something and they go, huh, look at that, that lines up with that. And that lines up, that's pretty damn clever. You know, and then their friends come over and go, holy shit, do you see how tight all this stuff is? And then they're like, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. They don't go, oh damn, they were six months late. And their friends would be like, so what? Like, I don't see this kind of stuff all over the place. And uh, I've uh, I've talked to, I've I've ran into other people who have built by other people. And everybody, everyone I have talked to on the client side of it has said the same thing. It was a fucking horrible experience. (laughs) They were unbelievably more expensive than they told me they were going to be. And no, it took way damn longer than they said it was going to take. <laughs> so I was like, great, that's really good to hear. Glad to hear that, because that would, that would suck. But it's, it's, it's reassuring that it's a consistent problem. And I think it also, those, those details maybe are what helps build trust mm-hmm. with the client, right? Because if they if they notice that you're you're sweating over the small stuff that nobody even really seems to care about, you know, like all the stuff behind the walls that you don't see, all the mechanical, the electrical, yeah, you know, we we spend so much time and effort laying that out, making sure it's perfect, and you'll never see it. I mean, I think that goes a long way building trust with with the clients. They know if you, if you can get that right, then. You know. it, it does, but two points on that. Okay. One, you have to make sure you show them that, right? A client that's not They're watching not you that, do yeah. that work yeah. and just is like, yeah, who cares? They're they're framing the walls. Who cares? They're putting the electrical in. Who cares? No, 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 no. no. Come, let me like, show it, you. <laughs> right. So, and, and our key to that is the weekly report. The yeah. weekly report says, hey, look at all the badass work we did this week. Yeah. Look how cool this stuff is. And we do, we geek out about it. And yeah. so we get excited and we get to walk somebody through it. We're like, hey, check this out. No, no, I don't think you noticed this. Like, check this out. This is super cool. So that's the first thing, right? You've got to make sure that you get credit for what you did. Mm-hmm. And uh, a l- little bit of a side, I tell all of our trades, they'll be like, oh man, you know, I did that for you for free and nobody ever said anything. I'm like, really? Did, did you send me an invoice for it? Well, no, I did it for free. What, you, why didn't you send me an invoice with zero dollars and show me what you did? Because nobody's going to remember. Right. It's like, oh, that's a really good idea. I should do that. It's <laughs> like, yes, I appreciate you doing this great thing. Tell me you did this great thing, mm-hmm. right? So we got to tell our clients because some of them don't know, right? They're billionaires, they're millionaires, they're tech people, they're whatever they are. They don't have a, they don't have a clue how a house is built. That's true. So they need to be shown that hey, look, we're building you a Lamborghini here. We're building you this Ferrari, and these are the reasons why it is. It's awesome. And then the other difference is. Um, 
our buildings will be around in 50 years. Yeah. Our buildings are made to have maintenance be accessible and not have this kind of lifespan of of a a semi-custom home that's, you know, that's just thrown together. I mean, hell, I passed a house on 620 right there at the dam. They ran out of zip wall, so they just plywooded up the rest of the walls, and then it rained like crazy on the whole frame, and it just got it all wet, and they're just going to keep going and cover it all up, and, you know, wham, bam. Thankfully, we're in Texas. It's going to dry out, and they'll be okay. Hopefully. But that whole house is going to be trash and... 40 years maybe I mean, yeah. 40 years it'll have to all be redone so there's a big difference between there and that also then it's the it's the product right you go and you buy a Toyota that's not the same thing as buying a Land Rover mm-hmm. so gotta have that knowledge agree well something that you um, I want to go back to you, you touched on it earlier about accountability so that was one something I wanted to ask you was how do you keep people accountable? How do you keep trades accountable? Uh, you know, in an ethical way, in a, in a way that's not going to offend anybody or maybe burn. Well, maybe offend is not the right word, but because you're going to offend somebody. Don't but, offend people. Yeah, I know you don't. <clears throat> but um, you know, just just give me your thoughts. I mean, what? How how do you go about keeping trades accountable? Um, and ensuring that, you know, again, that you're getting their best effort, that, you know, they're coming out there and performing at 100%. You're not getting, you know, uh, a crap product in in the end. Well, I was was right there with you till the end, and then at the end you threw a curveball on it, which I think the curveball part of it is, you first of all you got to have talent that can perform to what you need right the word and this kind of goes back to the very first thing i was saying right like you can't take somebody who does track homes who does the tile work in a bathroom and track homes and bring them to one of our projects and say hey you got to do this perfectly and i'm going to hold you accountable right. that's not realistic sure so first it's got to be realistic for the ability of the person right which to some degree then means you got to have a meeting of the minds and it's all upfront, honest accountability. And as I get older, God damn it. <laughs> I noticed that, you know, when we all started out, there were a lot of things that we told people to do and then kind of bulldozed our way through it because we didn't know any different. We didn't know the nuances and all the details. And then when you have a bunch of experience and you've seen good and you've seen bad and you're like, oh, okay, now I have context. What you're doing is not acceptable. Furthermore, the way you're doing it, I need to stop you and make sure you do it this way better. Um, Side note, I I met a carpenter and he and I actually became really good friends and we're still really good friends. And he told me something once that I, I stuck with me. And when he had first been introduced to me, it was through his boss. And his boss and I were work acquaintances. He was a subcontractor. His Mm -hmm. boss was a subcontractor and he was an employee from him. And uh, his boss had told him, oh, that guy, that guy, Adrian, he's an asshole. He's a freaking asshole. Don't (laughs) don't worry about him. He's a dick. He's an asshole. And so this guy's first impression was like, oh, okay, this guy's an asshole. I'm just stay away from him. Yeah. 
And he tells me this probably a year and a half later. And he goes, well, I figured it out. You're not an asshole. Mm -hmm. He goes, the people that don't like you don't like accountability. Mm. You hold people accountable. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge compliment. Yeah. For me, I was thought, that's fantastic because that's all I want to be seen for. Yeah. I'm not a dick. I'm just holding you accountable. Yeah. Right? Like we, we talk about something and hey, I have failures. I do something and say, I'm going to do this and then I fail and then I have to go and suffer the consequences and eat crow or work harder or fucking pull it together and get it all done. Yeah. Um, making the commitment for the accountability is half of it. Follow through on the accountability is the other half of it. So you can have people that are out there that are great, that are telling everyone all these amazing details and, hey, this is everything you need. And I've seen it. I've seen guys put together amazing packages of every detail you could possibly need for something and it falls apart mm -hmm. because there was no follow through. There was no, hey, here are the details we just went over. Like, hey, before you get too far into this, um, as you well know, right, we are not drive-by superintendents. No. It's why we can only do one project at a time. Mm -hmm. And I can absolutely tell you that one project at a time, that's all you can mentally be involved in. 100%. And if you're at this project, then you're involved in this project. If you're not at this project, you're not involved in it. Yep. Mentally, you're not there. Oh, man, that's, that's such a relief, though, too. Because, yeah, you, you all you do is just focus on the task at hand. Yeah, mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about you know, all the other jobs that are going on. Um, yeah, no, that's 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 well said, and I agree with that that compliment. Man, I I was never smart enough to go do anything else, and I've just been in construction. Uh, so I don't know if you know this funny mm -hmm. side of my my history. You know, uh, I'm British, right? Yeah, tell me. I um, my dad left home when he was 15, and he joined the British military, and never looked back. Never talked to his parents again. My mom kept in touch with my dad's mom through mail every couple years, would send him a letter or whatever. Just my, my dad's parents got divorced. Anyway, so we come over here to America. We all settle down and uh, my sister and I go to school and it's just us. It's just my dad, my mom, my sister and I. That's it, four of us. Mm -hmm. I've always envied big families and now as I'm older and I go hang out with friends with big families, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, man. Fuck, this is a mess. Um, so uh, either way, anyway. So uh, and of course, this is ultimately the point of my story. So I get married, and my mom sends my grandmother, my dad's mom, a letter and says, "Hey, your grandson's getting married. You've never met him. Do you want to come to the wedding in America?" And she says, "You know what? Yes, I do want to come." All right. So she comes over, and there's this huge like mending of things and my grandmother and my dad like come to terms with what happened and everything and they, they got some that's a whole different podcast but they got some issues that happened I mean my dad was born in 44 right so that's that's World War Two. that's an unbelievable time in England crazy time yeah so uh, anyway I go to get married my grandmother comes over. I haven't met her before, and she's like, "Oh yeah, you've got uh, you've got three uncles and three aunts that you've never met." And I'm like, "Okay, yeah, tell me a bit about them." Well, you got Colin. He's a builder. 
And then you've got Paul. He's an electrician. <laughs> and then there's Peter, and Did he's a blood plumber. Blood. Yeah, man. And then my two aunts are painters. No way. Yeah, I'm not kidding. I was just like, oh, that's it. I'm screwed. That's destiny, man. Which actually makes me feel a little bit better, also, because <clears throat> man, I tell you, if they're, I would love to play an instrument. Do you play an instrument? I uh, I do. Do you, Mark? Yeah. What do you play? Guitar. Lucky bastard. Drums. What do you play? Piano. Drums. God. Bass. And vocals, man. Sing. That's, that's the one thing I wish my parents would have made me do, is learn an instrument. Yeah? Yeah. Teach, make your kids learn an instrument. It's never too late. I, I, I try. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I, I try. Let's, let's start a band, man. I'll be drums. Mark over there on guitar. It's got to be a passion, man. You gotta, it's not like something that you got to be forced to go, like, you have to That's play true. guitar. It's like, to be a passion. play it. Yeah. Like, you want to... And my best friend, Matt, every time I talk about it, he's like, so wait, wait, let me get this straight. You're frustrated you're not an out-of-work musician? Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, damn, That's how I started my whole thing was, you know, I, I love design. That's like my deal. And So I was in bands for, I don't know, 15 years, and then... I figured out I couldn't make it. I like toured in Texas heat and vans with seven I dudes. Remember some of that now. No AC mm-hmm. and we're all in our underwear driving to Odessa to play for seven people. And I figured out <laughs> this is not what I want to do. And so I, uh, I was like, well, what, what am I going to do? And architecture was it. So yeah, but that's I mean that's that's another creative outlet though, right? Because I mean, music is, is very I, creative. I'm painting now and I'm playing guitar. I don't know, ten hours a week. Like it's just you still know. play? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've, I've picked it up over the past couple of months. It's fun. That's you're cool. so sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a drum kit? I used to. Yeah, I had one um, when I actually when I moved to Austin. I had one uh, a nice Gretsch drum set. Um, it was it was pretty cool. I, ha- I had to get rid of it though. It was just too big and took up too much space. And I didn't feel like when we, we had to move, I didn't feel like moving it. So I was like, all right, I gotta get rid of this. <clears throat> but yeah, and I um, I actually played uh, for the school chapel band, um, and then we actually formed because my brother does, plays guitar and he did vocals, and so I mean literally we had a in our house. You know, we had our uh, setup. You know, he had his guitar, and I had my drum set, and we, we played. Uh, so we actually started a band, and uh, we um, it was like Christian rock, and you know, and we actually got some gigs. I mean, we we played like Battle of the Bands. Uh, you know, there were several churches, like there was a church in Houston and Hempstead, Texas, and uh, Trinity, and there's a bunch of places we went to to play. You know, for for different churches and different venues and. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. Dude, it was fun. That's really cool. You yeah. familiar with Krungbin? Who? Krungbin? No. They, uh, it's this three-piece band that they started playing churches. Uh-huh. They were a gospel band. And <laughs> now they've hit it. Uh, and they just did stuff with Leon Bridges and nice. uh, that's all awesome. kinds of stuff. Yeah, if you're in a Krungbin, I'll, I'll hug you up. Yeah. That's good stuff. That's very cool. Um... <clears throat> Mark, what do you what do you got, man? You've been been sitting over there, kind of quiet. What, what do you? You got uh, what brings out the best in people? Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of hit on that. Um, I, that's kind of a that's a that's a tricky one. I mean, that's kind of a hard question. I mean, how do you really? Um, I mean, like you said, it, it it starts off with you got to make sure you have the right people to begin with. You can't just put somebody yeah. in a position where they're destined to fail. 
So, you know, okay, so let's let's say this hypothetical situation, you 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 are using a trade that you've never used before. Okay. So, it's not somebody that you're familiar with. You don't know their quality. So, how do you go about um, managing those expectations and making sure that they're set up to succeed? You know, again, it's not somebody that you've worked with before. So, how do you how do you navigate that? And that's it, it's tougher. Obviously, the relationship is is key, and unfortunately, <clears throat> as I get older, I, I recognize that because people that I have relationships with, it's like, yeah, no, we understand, we know what we need to do, and you you also trust each other. Mm-hmm. And so we've just started using um, a new tile company out of Houston, exactly what you're talking about. It's all tile. Uh, well, because yeah, tile, 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 <laughs> tile, tile and cabinets are probably our two biggest problems. Sure. Um, yeah. If we could we figure out a really good solution for both millwork and tile, everything else is easy, right? Everything else we can manage, we can kind of internally oversee to get it all done. We can bring in all the parts. Tile, I mean, you've just got to have dedicated craftsmen. And it's a very small pool of people that can and do shrinking. it right. And, and that's the other problem, right? And shrinking. This knowledge transfer of these master tile setters, of these craftsmen, it, they're, they're going away. They're people, people... That's the thing about school. Like, everybody wants to go to school and like get an education and something, that, that, a job that they don't even care about. Like, yeah. like, we need more people that are good with their hands. Like, that's I like agree. a need in the world. Like... And we're pushing people to get into debt and go to school, and I think that's the wrong wrong way. And they can, if they're passionate, if if they've got that internal drive, like they can, they they're can a creative person. Yeah, they can make it even if the money is what motivates them. They can make more than that than what they can in, you know, getting a. I think there's this stigma that like working in the trades is is almost like you're you're a failure. You know, like yeah. uh, you couldn't cut you're, it at college. You're, you're lower class. Yeah, you didn't make it's it through school. Used to be a stigma, or or whatever. Yeah, you you didn't cut it, so you you and you wound up being an electrician, or you wound up being a plumber. I, I disagree with that. I mean, God, some of these plumbers and electricians they make more money than we do. I mean, Yo, these guys God. are rolling. Yeah, and and it, don't get me started on. <laughs> no, but it, <clears throat> I I think. I don't know how we get through, we break through that that stigma of, you know, being a trade is something to uh, look down on. Because I, I disagree, man. I mean, the, those are the people you call yeah. when something has gone wrong and you need something fixed. Those are the guys you call. And they're freaking superheroes mm-hmm. when you really need them. And so I think, yeah, I don't know. That's a, maybe a topic for another, another episode, but... Um, <clears throat> I think that is a huge problem. Yeah, about how do we kind of inspire these these younger guys and and develop that passion of being able to to create something that you're that you're proud of and and that you can that you're proud to put your name on, you know, and and work with your hands and get dirty and you know I think there's there's a I don't know that there's a there should be pride pride in that. I mean, I don't know. That's that's something to be proud of. That that's not something to look down on. 
It'll happen. Supply and demand will dictate some of it. Yeah. It's but it's gonna take some time. <clears throat> it's gotta come from home. Right? Yeah. It's yeah. gotta be it's gotta be bred into you. It's interesting. I was watching something the other day and they were talking about, you know, kids that have it too easy. The kids that had tough kid childhoods, not bad right. childhoods, but tough. They turn out to be better. I agree. Right? Um I was an immigrant. I didn't have lots of things. My parents were kind of like, hey, get outside. Go tough it out. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I never had cable till I got to college. And that was because I paid for it when I got <laughs> to college. I was like, cable's awesome. There's more than four TV channels. I don't have to watch wrestling on Sunday. <laughs> so, uh, but those things make you work harder. Yeah. I don't disagree with that at all. What's that quote? Is it, um, gosh, I'm probably going to butcher it. Um, hard men create good times, or and good times create soft men, and soft men create hard times, and hard times create hard men. You know, it's, it's kind I, of this cyc- cyclical it, yeah. thing, and I, and I kind of think we're, we're in that point now where we are, and, and I could be totally off, but it seems like, the you know, we're... we're we have a society right now that's creating a generation of just soft-minded pussies. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, I, I have never, ever considered myself a macho person. I mean, not like you yourself, Lonnie. I mean, oh, Jesus no. Christ, you walk around and Sorry. look at the guy. He's got an AR-15 yeah, on your T-shirt there. Freaking Black Rifle. I didn't see it. Black Rifle Coffee. What that is. Yeah, but yeah, sure, that's a coffee cup. <laughs> it says coffee. Yeah. But yeah, it's a black in the shape of a rifle. Yeah. Right. But hopefully we don't go down the wrong path. We have become too amicable to everything, right? Nothing. You can't be proud of anything. You you have to be open to everything that goes on and everything's okay and Everybody's a winner. You can't stand for what you are independently and proud of it without that in itself offending somebody. And that's nuts. Right? Like, I love Texas. I think Texas is awesome. I think everything that Texas stands for is awesome. We need more of it. This isn't this isn't a video game. This isn't a TV show. This is a real wildlife situation and we're all lucky enough to be in a in an aquarium right now that we're not doing a very good job of keeping clean but it's not fake and so this whole idea that everything is so honky dory and wonderful every day is wildlife fighting for wildlife to live we've just put this funny finish on it all mm-hmm. right like when I went hunting last weekend and I was out there and I thought about it, I just thought, man, this, this is how easy it is. This is all we need. Mm-hmm. I don't need any of this shit. Mm-hmm. That's it. This all makes it much more difficult. It's a lot of fun, too, but it's more difficult. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, in summation, let's, <laughs> let's say this. Well, Mark, do you have anything... You, you have anything else, man? I'm good, man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, man. All right, I won't give you a chance to speak. I mean, you've been kind of quiet over there. <laughs> so, sucking on your cigar and your uh, and your uh, bourbon over there. And Johnny Walker. Yes, sir. Uh, well, so I think to sum up, 
I think we need to do our due diligence and inspire our kids, the next generation, whatever we want to say. Yeah, you shouldn't put a parameter on it. It's anybody. We should, yeah, inspiration should be broad. To, yeah, we need to... I do agree with that. You don't put a parameter on it. You just inspire. Yeah. Because you, you, you honestly have no idea the person that is watching at the moment that you provide inspiration. Yeah. And I've seen it enough times. Oh, that was well said. Sorry. That was I'm glad well you recorded said. it because I couldn't repeat it. <laughs> <laughs> that was very well said. Um, yeah. In, in inspiring our kids and those who look up to us to be that man in the arena. To be somebody who's not afraid to make mistakes. Right? Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge part of it. Is I'm scared to look like an idiot. I don't uh, care, man. I, I do not give two shits. I don't care I either. I it up and I botch it and everybody looks at me and they laugh like... Well, that, man, well that's I why we're here. And, you know. That's why we're here is because I, I agree. We're, you know, not to brag. But, I, but everything... Yeah. There's a, there's a very... I have this bubbling of just like, I have to get it done. I, I like have this like internal no, desire it's, to it's, like want to... It's deeper in your core than that. It's fundamental. You're not trying to pull something over on somebody. You're genuine. You're honest. You're trying to do a good job. Yes. So if you fail and you're doing a good job and like you did the best that you could do, it still didn't succeed, then absolutely you've got nothing to be ashamed of or, or like, oh, no. Like, you should be like, what the hell? I'm proud of it. Right? That, that's the difference. So, so do you give the production tile setter who loves doing tile but hasn't give, been given the the means and the it doesn't hasn't had the capacity to, to do that? Do you give them the shot because of that energy to I like? Have. And uh, and it's it's not just a tile guy. It's it's people now. And I've actually I've I've found a few people and just met them and gone. I love your personality enough that I want to try and find something I can put you to do. All right. Right? I mean... They're a tool. They they have a purpose in life. But if you're motivated and you have passion and you have desire, that's who I want to work with. Right? I mean, you guys, I want to come and do this because of your passion and your desire. Right? You're not out to sell something for this. Your motives are genuine for this. Right? That's easy to get behind. Yeah, and that's that's something we, we talked about actually on our last episode with Jason. Um, we talked about passion a little bit. Jason Hebert? Jason Jason Hebert. Hebert. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Man, to Jason. I still love looking at my Halloween costume with him <laughs> arms around each other, bald cap on. Oh, my, my tight black pants on. <laughs> yeah. Stop rubbing those pants. You, all all day. Day. you kept on putting on different pants and saying, "Is taking pictures yeah. in the big, in the dressing rooms? <laughs> is this something Jason would wear? Yeah. Is this tied up? <coughs> oh, he's awesome. <laughs> I love that guy. Oh man, but yeah, we we talked to him. Uh, that was our last episode with Jason, and uh, that was something we touched on was was passion. Yeah, and. and that that was kind of my point was i you know if somebody doesn't have the the skills required to do a certain job you, you can learn skills you know skills can be you can teach somebody how to do something well but if if they lack the passion they're never going to learn it cuz right. they don't care right they have to have the passion i think that's that's the most important thing 
to, to be able to pick up on is, you know, okay, they, they might not be the best, but you know what, they try hard, they, they, they show up to work every day on time, they're ready to go, they're extremely passionate about what they do, but you know what, they're, they're lacking something, but, but let's help them, yeah. you know, get to where they need to go. And I, and I think, um, yeah, I think that's, that's part of your job, maybe, is part, part of what we need to do is find those people who, you know, are, are up and coming, you know, who, who are passionate, but maybe lack the skills that they need and, and be able to kind of point them in the right direction. It's interesting you do that outside of people, what they do. You find, you want to find something for somebody who just has the, the drive and the passion, yet the direction. The, the, the West Project, mm-hmm. it, it gave it, the spectrum of people that yeah. were needed for out there. Mm-hmm. Hotel managers, house cleaping, chefs, maintenance guys, carpenters, painters. I mean, everything. Landscapers. I mean, you name it. It sure. was unbelievable. So that got me just kind of like looking differently at everybody out there. That's, that's such a unique job. You heard how I found Sam, didn't you? Uh, no. Oh, you didn't hear? I, I got to tell you this story okay. real quick, if you don't mind. Do we have time? Uh, go for it. So, do you, have you heard about Sam Haney, who works with us? The name is familiar, yeah. And I know he's he just a, came on board, yeah. He's an administrator for us. Uh-huh. He's awesome. He yeah. is absolutely amazing, right? <laughs> so, a year and a half, almost two years ago, <coughs> it was actually right before ACL two years ago, and we were going, damn it. We have a labor problem. We need more good people here. Okay. We're not the only people like us, right? There are other people like us out there. Mm-hmm. How do we find them? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, they do the same things that we do. Well, I, I don't do anything, right? There's not like the holding pen that cool people go and hang out in. <laughs> yeah. I can just go to the cool pen whatever store. Um you know, and, and what am I going to go do? Like hang out in Home Depot and just look for some dude that looks like me and then go approach him and have him not think I'm some gay guy like <laughs> looking to pick him up in Home Depot? It's just, it doesn't work. So jokingly, half jokingly, ACL came up two years ago and I said, you know what? We're awesome people. And we go to ACL. Which means other awesome people go to ACL. And I know there's... I mean, there are 20 people in our company that go see it to ACL, right? Yep. Jacob and myself and Elena and uh, there's a bunch of other people that also go with us too. Anyway, so, right, okay. I told Joe <laughs> Cheetah and everybody out at the ranch, was like, I'm going to find our next guy at ACL. And they were like, no, you are not. You are just full of it. And I said, no, I'm, I'm dead serious. I'm going to go to ACL. I'm like-minded individuals. I'm going to look for people that look like us. Because that. So I go there. Had a few drinks. It was on Saturday. (laughs) Walking along along the festival. (coughs) And I see this guy that looks just like Joe Cheetah. I mean, doppelganger. I'll show you this photo afterwards. Because it'll take me a minute to pull it up. He's this fucking (laughs) doppelganger. And as I'm walking past him, I'm like... Grow some fucking balls and go back there and ask the guy what he fucking does. Like, that's your guy. Go find him. Yeah. It's like, all right. I turn around. I walk back over there. I walk right up to this guy. And I'm like, all right. Hey, look. I know this is a fucking crazy story. But, and I kind of explain the whole thing to him. I'm like, I'm here. I'm looking for people that look like people that I work with because 
they look like badasses. Yeah. And I said, so what do you do? And he goes, I do really high-end concrete work. No way. And I was like, no way. <laughs> he goes, yeah, I do. And I said, do you like what, he do, what you do? And he goes, oh, man, I love it. Like the people I work for are great. And the things I get to build are great. Like I love what I do. And I'm like, this this proves my theory 100% correct, right? And I said, well, hey, if you ever if you, if you ever feel like you're not appreciated and you want to go do something amazing, you come find Daglish and we'll, we'll take care yeah. of it. So then I walk away from that and I'm like, hell yeah. And, and his girlfriend was standing there. She's like, I can't believe this is going on right now. So I'm walking around, having a good time. Well, then uh, me and the honey badger, who's our carpenter, and uh, Mike, who is our pool guy, <laughs> the three of us are going up to the front of this one show. I don't remember what show it was. We were tunneling up, going, working our way through the crowd. And this one ginger kid, he's following us with his girlfriend. And he follows us all the way up there. And then when we get to where we're going and we stop, he gets up and he taps Joe Amaral on the shoulder. And he says, hey, thank you. I followed you guys all the way up here, and that was awesome. Like, you got me a great spot. And I turned around, and I was like, wait a minute. I used to do that. Like, when I was a lot younger, I would follow people up and do yeah. the exact same thing. The difference was, it's one thing to follow somebody up. It's another thing to follow somebody up and then say, hey, that was cool. I hope you don't mind. I followed you up here. got great seats. Like, hey, we're cool. So I turned around, and I said to him, I said, hey, what do you do? Mm-hmm. He goes, oh. I'm an administrator at J.E. Dunn. I was like, oh, <laughs> hell yeah, you are. And so we got chit-chatting, and I said, do you want to come? Uh, this was the this was the best part of it, because Joe Amaral was with us. And Joe Amaral, loved, he, he cannot stand giving me a compliment. Like, it just kills him. Yeah. And uh, so this guy, Sam, I said, you know, you need to come work for us. I said, Monday I'll call you and I'll give you a real interview when we're both sober and it's all good. But, like, I like what we've talked about. Like, I like your energy and this is just a good sign and everything. And the guy, Sam, looks over at Joe Amaral and he goes, hey. And Joe goes, yeah. And he goes, do you work with him? And Joe goes, yeah. (laughs) And I say, come on, Joe. And Sam goes, do you like it? And Joe goes, pretty much the best job you're ever going to have. <laughs> and then Sam was like, all right, I'm in. That's it was awesome. And that's how we got Sam. And he's, uh, so you got to, got to go find people that do the same awesome, crazy things that we do. Birds wow. of a feather. Yeah. Wow. Right. What a crazy story, man. That's awesome. No, I, I had never heard that. That's, that's fantastic though. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Well, you know what? Um, Adrian, I, I appreciate your time and I appreciate you sitting down and talking with us. I definitely want to get you back on because you are, um, you know, you're, you're somebody that I that I look up to. Same. Um, and you have a wealth of information. Just and I want to tap into that, and um, I think it'll make me better. It'll make everybody better um, who hears it. And so I definitely want to get you back on, and I appreciate your time. And uh, talking to us, privilege, privilege to be a part of this. I uh, admire you guys, and absolutely anything I can do. Yeah. Absolutely, love it. Yeah, you inspire me, man. Yeah, it was awesome to uh, mutual. Yeah, yeah, talk about this. It, it, we, we find that like we find that we are like we like to be around the collective of like-minded individuals, and it doesn't mean that they, 
we all have to have similar backgrounds and we're all like designed for like, you guys yeah. aren't like super designery, but everybody is passionate in what they, they want that they're the man in the arena and, uh, yeah. let's do it. That, that's our goal. Let's be that man in the arena and let's, uh, dare to do great things. Deal. That awesome. diversification is key though. That you can't. Yeah, you can't f- just keep channeling yeah. into the same thing, the same vein. You can't. You you, you have to hit. You it have with to have diversification of thought. Right. Yeah. Yep. I agree, hundred percent. Because I mean that that makes uh, that doesn't just make you better. That makes the team better, uh, and that's what I've really enjoyed about uh, where we work um, because you you work with a team, mm-hmm. and everybody is. Um, everybody's good at, at something, you know, yes. you, you know what I mean? Like yeah. wherever you're lacking, somebody else is going to pick up that slack and, yeah. and, and help. You keep hitting it with different glasses. You keep yeah, putting man. And you wash the idea, you wash the thought, you wash the, the person, you wash yeah. the relationship. You, 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 yeah, push, push the idea. For sure. Exactly what we started with. Our job is to find the right resources for the task. So, I, I don't want you to figure out any engineering. You go find an engineer. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that's a good uh, a good note to end on. Adrian, I love you. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time. Mark, I love you too. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, I think that ends uh, this episode. Um, Adrian, I appreciate it. Oh, thank you all. <clears throat>